Who wants to share? What is home? Let's have a couple ideas of people. What is home? When you think of home and hear home, what does it mean? Come on, don't be shy. Where love is all around you, that's home for you. Who else has an idea of home? Where your family is. What else? Dave. Where you belong. Anything else? Home. Safe place. Good. Good. Thank you for sharing. It's a fascinatingly interesting and complex idea, home, isn't it? It's really interesting. Sometimes for some people, I didn't hear it here, but for some people it's an actual geographic place where there's a building that is home. And then for other people it's more about where certain people are, right? That makes home. And then some of us have more than one home. So for example, my idea of home is always not about a geographic place, it's always been about people. And so for the last 25 years, Jennifer and I have been creating a home for each other for our children, for our families. But before we were married, my folks, wherever they were, were always my home. And because I'm still fortunate that even at an old age, they're still alive, that's still my home, wherever they are. We were fortunate a few weeks ago to all gather in Minnesota. And even though, for our daughter's college graduation, and even though I'm older now, and so I did all the logistics, and I rented the house we were all staying in, when we all finally got to that place, and my mom and dad arrived, it was their home. You know, we were home, I was home with my mom and dad. It's just fascinating like that. And then others of us have more than even two homes. Because life changes. People die, and that creates a need to create a next set of families. Marriages fall apart, and that creates more. And so then people have multiple homes, multiple homes. But here's the thing, <clears throat> whether it's a geographic place or whether it's a people place or whether we have one or two or many, I think one thing that is true for the majority of us is that the idea of home elicits very strong emotions, whether those emotions are good or whether those emotions are bad. The idea of home can really bring the emotions. So for some of us, and I think I heard a lot of that here, home is a place that is safe, it's secure, it's filled with unconditional acceptance, and the love that is there is defined by grace and mercy and forgiveness. That often are the strong emotions that come when we think of home. But for others, Home was never like that. Some people are, for home is a place that was decidedly never safe, never secure. There was nothing but conditions on everything. And whatever passed for love really didn't include grace, mercy, and forgiveness. So it's challenging, this idea of home, isn't it? And some of us have some of that negative and some of that positive, and depending on the day, the idea of home will elicit a different emotional response. And it is because of this that makes this statement by the Christ on his last night with his disciples not only spectacularly magnificent by itself, 
but also it makes this statement very powerful and very important. Taken by itself, this is, right, this is sort of quantum physics level, blow your mind stuff. God considers us as home. And this is exactly, for those of us that have been together for the last couple weeks, this is what we've been looking at, right? If God is truly omnipresent, which is a cherished idea amongst Christians, if that is true, then Jesus saying this shouldn't be a surprise. Then he is everywhere all the time. So the writer of Hebrews even said it very clearly. He said here, God is the builder of everything, and we are his house. So there it is. The writer of Hebrews commenting on what Jesus taught, what all of Scripture talks, that he is omnipresent. It's such a magnificent, by itself, mind-blowing statement. Oh, and this was Paul. Don't you know that you yourself are God's temple? We're going to get to this in our next conversation. We didn't get there last week. God is everywhere, okay? So when Jesus says this, what a beautiful, amazing thing. Now, I want to take one little sidestep off of where we're headed with this conversation just to make a note of something because I think it's always good when we have opportunity to look at this. In the English, this is one of these statements as we read it. If we just read it quickly in English, this can seem to support the if-then reading of Scripture, the imperative reading of Scripture. That reading of scripture that always leads, can't help but lead to legalism and moralism, and we are not free. And yet Jesus said, I've come to set you free. Because you read this quick, and it sounds as though what's happening here is if we do the right thing, then God will do something. Right? And that's such a Greek way of approaching scripture, in a Western way, and, and it makes us feel good about ourselves because just think, if we can really manipulate God's emotions for us, the way we manipulate each other's emotions, Right? But you have to read it in context. And this is a great one for helping us understand. We recently spent about a year in Galatians, and this is all Paul was talking about. It's not imperative, it's indicative. And so what Jesus is saying here, this is perfect, is anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. This isn't about, oh, I think God is good and I like him, therefore I'm going to do what he says. This is about if, you f if we fully believe and live into the reality that God does love us just the way we are, which is, I think, what Scripture teaches, because he died for us because he loved us while we were his enemies, right? That's, that's, you put everything together. So therefore, he loves us just the way we are. If we start living truly into that, then we end up obeying him. Because we're in him, he's in us. He in us helps us obey him. Do you see? And so then when Jesus says, Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Again, it's not, oh, I don't like him, therefore I'm not going to listen to him, like we do to each other, right? Like our kids sometimes do to us, even on Father's Day. That's not what this is. This is if we have not accepted this idea that he loves us and we are not living into this idea that he loves us, then how can we obey him? We, we can't obey him. We won't obey him. It's impossible to live like Christ without Christ in us living through us, right? So that's this. I just wanted to take that sidestep there and that. But this is a powerful statement and an important statement because of how emotionally charged the idea of home is for two reasons. It's affirmative and it's redemptive. It's affirmative and it's redemptive. Because what's happening here is this. For those of us that know home as a safe place, 
a secure place, a place that is filled with grace and mercy and forgiveness and unconditional acceptance. This is a powerfully affirming statement by God saying, yes, that is what home should be. That is exactly like unto the kingdom of God, and this is what God is about making his home amongst us. And where God's home is, that's what it's going to be. That's what God's home is. That's what the kingdom of God is, right? So it's affirmative. For those of us that have had that experience, yes, that's a good thing. And it's a powerfully redemptive statement. And I think most of us need the redemptive part of this statement. Because for those of us who have not known that kind of home, for those of us who have known a home that is not like the kingdom of God, then this is an incredibly redemptive statement. This is God saying, I know. I know you live in a world that is hard and dark and painful. But I am still amongst you, working in you and with you. And if you would come and surrender to me, we can build together the home that you have been denied and that you want. What a powerful statement for those of us who don't have good memories of home. Maybe right now some of us don't have a good home. God is in us making home. Work with him. Let him create a home like unto the kingdom of God. Beautiful. Now I'm going to take a minute, I'm going to talk to the dads, because I'm a dad, and it's Father's Day, and so I can do this. On Mother's Day, I never talk to moms. Father's Day, I'm going to talk to dads. For us, this statement is three things. It is inspiring, it is convicting, and it is encouraging. For those of us dads that believe making homes like unto the kingdom of God is our most number one priority and that this is the work we should be about, then this is inspiring. We should be inspired then that we know that we are doing what God is doing. God's main work is creating his home among us, a home like unto the kingdom of God. So this statement should inspire those of us that believe that is our highest priority. This statement should convict us as fathers if we do not believe that. If we are not creating a home like unto the kingdom of God, we should be convicted by this. If we don't even believe that the kingdom of God is a place of unconditional acceptance, love, forgiveness, grace, mercy, all of these things that we see in the Christ, then we should be convicted by this. This is what God's doing. And as dads, this is what we should be doing. And this statement is encouraging. Because even if we believe and know this is the great work we should be about and are trying to do it, or we don't even believe that, all of us fail sometimes, don't we? Sometimes more often than not. And that's why this is encouraging. Because it's redemptive for us dads. We work sometimes so hard to create a safe and secure place for our kids and end up doing the exact opposite because we're human and we get tired and we get frustrated. We teach our kids hate instead of love. We teach our kids conditions instead of forgiveness. Well, then this statement's encouraging. 
God is redeeming that. Forgives us when we fail, is living in us and calling us to something much greater and much higher. A home like unto the kingdom of God. And see, that's the beauty of the Christ story. When it's written, when it's read and understood in its fullness, it never leaves us wanting. See, this is all, all legalism can give us, all any religion can give us is you don't add up. And then it leaves you there. That's never the gospel. In fact, the gospel is not afraid to say you don't add up. Because then the gospel is at its best and, and that's why you need me. That's the beauty of the gospel. You can't help but look at Christ and go, oh, I'm really not like him. But then you hear Christ say, it's okay. I love you just as you are, but I'm not going to leave you there either. I'm going to keep drawing you into a more beautiful place. It's a beautiful gospel, isn't it? And now let's come back to all of us. When Jesus made this statement, his immediate audience was a group of ragtag men that were not blood-related. A couple of them were here and there, but the majority of them were not related to each other. They just became his disciples. And reading the story closely, while it's possible because in that time and space and the culture the women were not upstairs, during the actual moment he said this, he was also talking to the women that were part of his disciples and would go on to lead the birth of this incredible spreading of this gospel. But he wasn't talking to family. And so while it is good that we are like unto God making homes for our families, it is not a call to make homes that are exclusive to our families. We should be making homes like unto the kingdom of God and they're there for whoever needs a home. That's what's so beautiful about folks right in this community and communities all around the world. You know, Johanna and Tito have opened their home to a young woman who now considers them her guardians. She didn't have that place of home. So they said, well, we have a home and, and it's for, it's big enough. Sam and Jill, newly married, they had people living with them all the time that didn't have homes. This is to be like God is to create homes that are not just for blood, but are big enough for whoever needs a home. And finally, if we talk about us as a community, and everyone sitting here is a community, that's the beauty of community churches, whether it's your first time here or your thousandth time here, you own it because it's a community church. You're part of the community. We're a family. We should not be building a home that is exclusive in any way. That says, oh no, you're not welcome here because God couldn't possibly love you. We should be very careful that we don't give that message. Now listen, it's inevitable that people are going to be turned off by our home. Because in this world we're in, even when you're trying to be the most gracious, loving, that alone offends some people that don't want that, right? But let's not work to exclude anyone.
if people want to self-impose an exclusion from, that's different. But God is telling us, build a home like unto the kingdom of God. It's a good thing, this message from Jesus on his last night with his disciples. And I think it's really appropriate for us. This Meribai star wrote this incredible thing about us in God's home and just let it sink in as the band comes up and gets ready to play for us. This will be our home. 
Oh, this, this is our 